The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Now I spent most of my uh, life serving with college students, but when you work for a convention, like the Louisiana Baptist Convention, uh, you're an employee in the building. I've worked with um, Texas, Arkansas, Florida Baptist Convention, and Louisiana Baptist Convention. I've been here the longest. And um, you, there's certain duties that you have that are uh, in addition to. You know that's that's kind of how it works. You have the in addition to your job that other than what you're called to do in that particular job. And, and one of those is I go to associational annual meetings. Now, uh, if, if you've ever been to an associational annual, annual meeting, you've probably held a few in this building. Uh, that's where all the churches in the area meet once a year, typically in October. And I, I think I've been to somewhere around 190 of those, a bunch of them. And they're not short, by the way. Uh, they're, they're gatherings. They're definitely gatherings. Food's good. Um, and then uh, another thing is, is hurricane relief. If you're, even if you're a college minister or in charge of the youth work or whatever you do, you're essentially a hurricane relief worker when it happens. Everything that you're doing, you've got planned, uh, that's on your agenda for the, the week or month has been, it's taken away and you go do something else. Now in Florida, I learned that, uh, matter of fact, they were a little different there. They, I started the job and hurricanes are a way of life there. They said, go to the, uh, here's the credit card. That's how they say it to you. Here's the credit card. Go to the store and you need to buy some things. Get yourself some rubber boots, some rain gear. Uh, there were a couple other things, flashlights and, um, oh, uh, I, th- I think a little bit of like auto safety type things. And they would take care of it. They'd pay for that. And you would keep that in your car or truck. I had a truck most of my life. So you keep that in your truck and that was to pre- keep you ready whenever anything happened because they could call you out. Now, over time, uh, I, I left Florida and uh, came to work in Louisiana, and it's a little bit different kinds of kind of hurricane relief that we do here. When we go into, a, uh, when something happens, we go right into the heart of wherever the hurricane hit or the tornado hit or the floods were, and you're going to be there for a little while. You're not just going to be there for a couple of hours, shake hands, make an appearance, not, don't get your T-shirt dirty. It's not like that. You're actually getting dirty. So I created a different kind of uh, hurricane relief kit. And I personally, you know, I bought this. They didn't give me the card to do this. I wanted these things. So I went and bought these uh, gas tanks that I've only seen, seen on racetracks. They're tall and, and rectangular and have this long spout out of them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I've got uh, about four or five of those. They sit across the back of my truck, and I bring those with me just in case I get stuck somewhere there's no gas or if someone else does. I'm helping someone get out of trouble. So I'll load up with that extra gas. Um, I have a 55-gallon barrel available with an electric pump to help go take some down to somebody someplace to help fill generators. A couple extra generators. It's a little bit more serious than it was in Florida. We do a little more stuff. I even carry my own. I have a plastic box that I, it's for camping, but really it's for hurricanes. It's uh, inside that box. You pop it open. There's a little stove about this big. It's a backpacking stove. Uh, if you were to be a backpacker, you know exactly the stove I'm talking about. It's kind of the one everybody uses. And uh, a propane bottle that goes with it. And on top of that is a, um, a metal kit that I can cook 
cook uh, whatever I want to cook with. So I'll carry a couple cans of soup so I don't get grouchy. And uh, I do have a pretty good supply in my, in my center console of food. But uh, then we, um, I do that because I only drink decaf coffee. So you go anywhere, if you want to get coffee, you go, and it's in the middle of a crisis, they're not going to make you a decaf coffee. So uh, I make my own coffee on the road, on the tailgate, pull over to the side uh, to, to be able to take care of business. But I really could not do any of that without this particular uh, item that I have right down here. got cheaper as it got to Walmart, so I went and got one at Walmart. Uh, this light does a lot of things, and you may have this one. Anyone have this light in your house? Okay, we keep, we keep one uh, in our cars and in our house. So that's how many of these we've gotten. Now, they do a lot of things. Uh, they charge up with this double USB port uh, cord. So you got two-ended port with USBs. One goes here, one goes in the wall, and they get good and charged, but if you need them to charge up your phone, you just put your phone charger in the back of your flashlight. So that's what, that's, that's a great thing for me. It's even better than that little box thing that you can carry with you. Um, and also, it's very, very powerful. It sees things a long, long way. If I was going to run a trot line, this is the light I'd want. I want to be out there on the, on the water shining way down the trot line. Um, it, it gets, um, it, it stays charged for several days. It just does lots of things. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to, uh, to loan this out today. This is almost as important as my pocket knife, okay? I've got a, a case pocket knife I carry everywhere, and it's it's important. I don't loan it out. But uh, this one, I'm going to loan it out. Liam, could you take this for a second? And I'm going to ask you to do something later on when it, it, it works out. We're going to talk about that light just a minute. That light's important. I make sure my wife has one with her wherever she goes because she needs to uh, she needs to do something or signal somebody down on the side of the road. She's got a got the equipment she needs. We're going to be in First John. If you got your Bible, turn to First John. I was there the last week, went on a Wednesday night, and introduced this book. This book is uh, probably one of the more significant teachings in Scripture about what it means to live daily as a follower of Christ. It's very clear. It says it over and over. And I believe the reason that John is saying the way he says these things is because he's speaking to a hard-headed bunch of people that have their minds set on, this is the way that I will live. This is the way I will do things. And I'm not going to change my mind. Now, y'all probably don't know anybody hard-headed, do you? Anybody? <coughs> anybody raise anybody hard-headed? Uh, uh, I know we did. Uh, there are people that get set, and I know that I, I myself get set in my ways. I think this is the way that you should do this. And if you don't do it this way, it's, it's going to be uh, a trouble. It's going to be a problem. Even down to how you load the dishwasher. I got my way to load the dishwasher. I like it to be all the same color glasses to be in the same row. I want it to be like that. And then I want, uh, and then, you know, it's just the way. Spoons in one thing, don't mix them all up. And uh, when you pull them out, because when you pull them out, it's much more efficient putting it back in the, in the shelves because you're right there in one place. I like that system. Uh, my wife doesn't work that system. Uh, she's a little more, if there's an open spot, put it there. And that's uh, and it, they both get washed the same way, both fine, but we're both kind of, that's our way. 
You can get set in your ways, and when somebody tells you to do something a little bit different, you uh, bow up to that. You bristle against what that little bit different is. <laughs> the people that uh, John is speaking to have built this system of religion that if you say to them that this what you're saying is wrong, what you're doing is wrong, they're going to bow up. They're going to bristle. So he says it over and over and over in a way that it makes it clear to them, helps them to understand what it means to follow Jesus. They have built a system, they have created a way of thinking that is that the body is evil. Anything that the body does is evil, therefore it cannot have anything spiritual attached to it. You can't give it any spiritual value. So you can live a life where spiritual things are... Uh, only in your head, but you, that's what they think. You can live the spiritual uh, thinking and uh, believing in your head, but your body is doing something totally different. Now, I, I live that out every day. Uh, when I climb a ladder or when I'm uh, jumping down off the tailgate of a pickup, I used to could do that pretty easy and uh, jump off with no hesitation. If I uh, climb a ladder now, I favor one knee sometimes, and if I were to act the way I did years ago, um, I'd fall off. I'd fall off that ladder. One knee's not working as good as the other one. Well, the body is very intimately intertwined with the spirit. We are uh, a, a whole person. The spirit and the body are uh, who, who we are. When uh, John is teaching this scripture, uh, this, uh, these passages to these people, he's saying, you have separated your life where you live of the devil, but you believe of God. We need to get those two things together. So he, he lays this out in the book of 1 John. And you're going you're to see as we, I'll be here several times this summer, and we'll preach through this and talk through this. You'll see how he is saying, okay, this thing you're doing don't do it anymore. This thing you're not doing that's, that should be right, it's time to start doing this thing. And we'll make that clear in just a little bit. First John 1 John 1.5. This is the message. And I'm reading this from NIV. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So he is saying that God is holy. He's trying to declare to them that there is no blending of immorality and morality in God. Everything is right. He is clearly holy. Now we know that that's true because we've been taught that. If you're in this church, you probably have heard that many times. God is light. God is holy. He is, uh, has no uh, business with darkness. So... He's declaring to them there's no darkness in God at all. He says it, uh, the writer says this in John 3, 319. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, talking about Jesus, but people love darkness instead of light. Do y'all believe there are people in this world that love darkness? No doubt there are people that love darkness. My Three of my kids live in New Orleans, and that's a big city with lots of stuff going on. And uh, anytime I've gone down there, I've seen a lot of things that are darkness. People, things that people choose to do and uh, how they choose to live. And they don't love light. They rebel God against God. They reject him. They live uh, in ways that, um, I, I guess the phrase, old phrase was thumb their nose at God. Instead of light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done and has uh, been done in the sight of God. So when God's light comes into the presence of darkness, darkness flees. Do we agree with that? Okay, Liam, here's your chance. Are you ready? I tried to find the darkest place I could. Uh, you can stand right there. It's good. And see if you can do this. This little room over here, so you don't have to shield your eyes. This little room right over here, can you uh, shine that light into that into that little room? Wow, it's pretty bright, isn't it? I told you all it was a good light. All right. Thank you, man. That's good. Good job. He did a good job. I'm going to give him a hand for that. Also a good talker. Good talker in, uh, in the uh, Bible studies earlier. What's that? Yeah, he is. Walmart. In the automotive aisle. So. When this light was in that room, that dark room back there, uh, everything else, I mean, everything was illuminated. Everything fled. So you could see why people rebel against God when things of God are presented to them. It's a, a principle of Scripture. When we talk about the Lord at your kitchen table and somebody's around the kitchen table with you that's not walking with the Lord, they will, uh, they will bristle. They'll be convicted is the word that we know of, of, of what happens. The Holy Spirit convicts them. They will rebel against that. When someone's living uh, in rebellion against God, you try to give them advice. Often they reject that advice. When, uh, singing is, uh, you know, this was good singing today. It felt like when I was a kid, by the way, same song. And, um, we, um, the, the singing about the Lord is difficult to be around for people who are living in rebellion. It's difficult for them to hear words that are proclamations of praise of God. Darkness is repelled by light. God is light and light's good. Psalms 92.15, light is good, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. In Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock and his works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does not do wrong, upright and just is he. You know, when I'm witnessing on campus, um, to call, that's typically where I would be, either a restaurant or on campus, sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, there are people that when you get into a deeper conversation with them, they ask hard questions. They, they might not reject you at first. You might get deeper in. And almost every person away from God that uh, you're trying to introduce to him and develop, help them create a relationship with him, um, they will think, if not bring up, how can God be good if all this bad stuff has happened? And they'll have a story to go with that. The story will be something terrible has happened in their family. Maybe some abuse has happened to them or evil in the world in general. Or that, that, that is the go-to argument for someone who is rejecting God is how can God be good if evil exists? Now, I can give you a long, long, it's like a five-day uh, meeting uh, or five days full of prayer meetings to discuss that. But... This evil in the world that they're talking about is the result of the work of Satan in our world. All this is going on. God is light and he is good, but there's a, we live in a fallen world. 
We live in a place where we're suffering the consequences of evil. Now, if I were to have that same ladder I talked about earlier, um, matter of fact, the church that I uh, preached at for a long, long time, it had a very, very tall ceiling, and we had a step ladder that looked like it was 40 feet tall. This is the tallest step ladder I've ever seen. If we had the step ladder out, I think I might be able to reach that vent for sure. That's how big that step ladder was. Uh, might be able to get even further, but they were changing light bulbs and, and tiles all the time with it. And only the young guys went up on it, by the way. The young deacons, if you're under 40 deacon, you're going to climb that, that ladder at some time to change a bulb out. Now, if somebody were to fall off of that ladder and hit the ground, um, that would be a consequence of gravity, right? That's a law. So we know that when we fall off that ladder, we're not going to float around. There's going to be some consequences. The fallenness in the world, this brokenness that we see in our world, is a consequence of sin. All of it. The children that are living in homes full of drugs, it's a consequence of sin. People that are uh, suffering and, and, and hurt and pain uh, through broken relationships, it's a consequence of sin. It's not God's fault. He is good. He is perfect. He is, he is light. And what we are doing as believers is we are introducing, by the way, that's what Vacation Bible School is. It's bringing light into households through the gospel. We're, we're people, we're agents of light. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every per- perfect gift from above, coming down from the Father of, anybody? Lights. Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now light is, is not only good, it's pure and holy, and darkness flees from its presence. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like you, O Lord? Among the gods, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. First Samuel 2, 2 says, There is no, none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no, no rock like our God. We know God is holy. Every preacher that's ever stood in this pulpit, every Sunday school teacher that's ever taught uh, for a length of time, every vacation Bible school leader, they have taught that God is holy. He is holy and he is just. But he's also forgiving. We've also taught that the world has fallen and people sin. Now, have y'all met anybody that hadn't sinned before? I met somebody that claimed they hadn't sinned. His name was Brother Jed. Uh, Brother Jed would come into uh, onto campuses and he'd make a tour around the country. And he told me the last time he sinned was in 1976 at a Van Halen concert. He was pretty clear about it. He said, I, I was a sinner up until that date. And then uh, he, I think it, maybe it is Van Halen that sings Running with the Devil. And he, was, he said, I was running with the devil. And I realized that. And I uh, turned away. And I've turned toward God. And I have not sinned again since 1976. And uh, there's a word for people like that. First of all, that's a fantasy. Uh, it's also delusional. Delusional. I have a, um, a um, definition from a behavioral science group. They say this. Delusion is a belief that a person holds that is not based in reality and is not altered or modified when the person is presented with contradictory evidence. 
Uh, you know what that says in plain language? You can tell them they're not going to listen. No matter what you tell them, they're not going to believe you. A delusional person cannot, evidence is not enough to change their thoughts. As such, people who are suffering from delusional disorder struggle to align reality with their perceptions of reality. Now that's who John's preaching to. He's preaching to a bunch of people that are delusional. They believe that their sin means nothing. It means nothing in the world. It means nothing about their relationship with God. It means nothing about who they are. Uh, they can do what they want to do. Their sin is just an act, just a behavior. Now, uh, before we um, talk about this next section, I want to kind of give a little definition out there. What is sin? What is sin? I think um, we, in our head, a picture came to mind almost immediately. When I said that, you know what sin is. It's a, an act of rebellion of some kind. It's a rejection or rebellion of divine teaching of God. Now, what is a good divine teaching? That Let's say... Uh, Thou shalt not, what comes to your mind? What's that? Steal. Thou shalt not steal. So there's a pretty direct word from the Lord saying thou shalt not steal. So if I were to um, go to the gas station on the way home and slip a candy bar in my pocket on the way out the door, would that be, um, no, that's not a sin, it's just a candy bar. That, am I being delusional? That's delusional. It's a rebellion against that teaching in Scripture. Sin. So rebellion against divine teaching is sin. Let's go back to 1 John 1. We're in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Delusional. But if we walk in the light, and He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. So we know this scripture is saying that if we think that we're not sinners, we're crazy. Because we are. We lie. We, we um, say angry things. We gossip. We Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Now, um, I, I do, I, I think there are, we get wrapped up in and pulled into the sin of other people. Y'all believe you do? Something someone else is doing. They're, you're kind of sin adjacent. And they maybe they're gossiping and you kind of can't, can't help it. i got to get in there and mix it up with that. i got to be a part of that. This scripture is teaching us that we are sinners and need to separate from that behavior. Believers, when they live in the light and they live in forgiveness, they live in holiness, they live in truth, uh, we have a different kind of fellowship with each other. What you have on Wednesday night, by the way, is a great fellowship. I don't know if you think it's good or not. When you go there, you may think you just have to go because everybody else does. But it's a good fellowship. It's really good. There's a lot of eating going on. There's a lot of talking. And really probably the best part of it is the talking to each other and the fellowship. And then um, there's some prayer time. Maybe that's the best part too. Um, and the fourth best part is the preaching. So we've got all this stuff going on together, and that's believers living alongside each other in the light. That's why it's good. It's because you're living in the light. Verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Truth's not in us. There's... Um, 
There's a principle you teach your kids when they're really little. And if they can learn it when they're really little and carry it on through life, it will help them a lot. And it's called just own up to it. Just own up to it. I did this on the school bus on the way home. I shouldn't have done it. You can try to uh, deny it. You can try to make a story around it. You can try to justify it. And when you do all those things, it just makes it worse, doesn't it? It's better just to own up to it. Just own up to what you did and say to the Lord, Lord, I am confessing that I did this. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. I am confessing that I lied to my spouse. I am confessing that I cheated on something. I'm I'm just saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need your help. I think we heard in this little uh, children's sermon earlier that he is always with us and he is always forgiving. He is always forgiving. Just own up to it. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Should I ever memorize that verse? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you for sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to set you free, to bring light into your life. And it purifies all that is evil in you. Now he goes right back to verse 9. Speaking to delusional people, so he has to say it again. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word's not in us. It's no use. No use in denying it. Just own up to it. Own up to it. Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. And he makes it really clear to us that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us. That's good news. You get in any group of people, no matter how rebellious they are, no matter how uh, evil they may be acting, if you present to them truth that they are completely forgiven when they give their life over to Christ, it resonates in their spirit. It speaks to their soul. They Want to hear it whether you think they want to hear it or I think they want to hear it or not. They want forgiveness. And they want a justification. They want cleanness in their life. And they want light. It's important for people who live for the Lord to, um, to uh, get you a, a kit to carry out every day. And have, this, have the light with you wherever you go. I want to, um, you know, since I'm not a singer, I'm not going to sing it, but we all know the words. That's the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You have the light of the world in you when you have Christ. Let it shine. Take it wherever you go. Let people know who he is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture that's so clear to us. Uh, We're saying to us that we're sinners.
And there'll be people listening on the radio and there'll be people that are maybe in this room that have been struggling with something all week. Father, and right now I'm asking them to lay that burden of sin at your feet and just own up to it. And Father, I pray that you would would make it clear to them that you forgive them and you love them and you care about every part of their life and you want to see them whole and you want to see them light. And I pray that that would happen right now in this moment, Lord, that they would give it all over to you. And Lord, there may be somebody that's listening that doesn't know what it means to follow you and have Christ in their life. And I pray that they would step out and take that step and trust you and trust you with truth. And Lord, you would make them new. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you can read in your bulletin um, how to be saved, how to join the church, all those things. If you want to flip that green uh, sheet over, it has all of that on there. If you're looking to uh, to get your relationship right with the Lord, I'll be up here to talk as we sing this hymn of invitation. But uh, you you can find all that information clearly laid out in that bulletin. You come, please. Would you stand, please? preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.